On the podcast this week is a genuine renaissance man, Dennis Goodbody. Dennis has been in marketing and advertising for all of his career, but even that doesn't quite define him. He has a great deal of skill to ensure that the right message is delivered to their customers, but in an interesting and creative way. It isn't necessarily just for businesses, it can also be a charity or a politician. My feeling is there's a lot that B2B businesses can learn from this approach, which has been pioneered and perfected in the B2C sector. Apart from that, Dennis is an author and a radio broadcaster. He produces his own show on Dublin City FM, which he's done for the last 10 years plus. He's also written a book on salesmanship and selling. He's a great guest with a refreshing take on marketing and communications and loads of other things. And as you might expect, with his background, he plays out on a unique song. I know you'll enjoy this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, Digital First Selling. During these times of COVID and falling telco sales, Digital First Selling is the answer to new customer acquisition, increasing revenues and cost reduction. If you are a telco, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, we have the ideal Digital First Selling as a Service solution for you. The Netzer Digital First Selling solution enables you to sell and onboard remotely. It will integrate with your BSS and OSS systems and with Salesforce, and we meet all regulatory requirements. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com so that we can understand your issues and provide you with the best solution. Welcome to the podcast this week, and I have a fantastic guest who I'm actually thrilled to have on, Dennis Goodbody. So Dennis is, I asked him what he, what he, how to describe, and he said, copywriter, writer, and broadcaster. And I, as I said to him, I think that totally undersells what he does, because he's pretty renaissance man, I'd say. So anyway, Dennis, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me with an introduction like that. That I'm not sure where we can go from there. I'm not <laughs> sure if I can live up to it, but I'll do my very best. Well, I'm sure you'll do fine, Dennis. Um, so a, a, a sort of strange question, because people might have a half-assed idea of what a copywriter is. But what's, what do you think a copywriter does? What's, what do they bring to the communication? Um, well, it is a, a phrase that's not understood by everybody, um, but it is, um, it's advertising writing, marketing writing, or strategic writing, as you might say, because not everything that I, I do is involved in specifically writing to sell beans or cola or whatever. Sometimes it's involved in getting across messages for charities or um, lobby groups or whatever. And the idea is that we discuss a, what the problem is. Usually in communications, I like to describe it as a problem. Now, the problem might be we're at the top. We want to stay there. That's our problem is staying there. Mm -hmm. Or we're at the bottom. Um, how do we get to the middle and so forth? I even had a project for an insurance company in the, uh, in the early 90s that was going through a restructuring that they wanted to advertise to remind people that they were there but they didn't want people to buy policies. <laughs> they didn't want new customers. There's a very, very strange thing. And you don't just take out your pen and say, I know, here's a joke, or um, why, don't we, why don't we do a Marilyn Monroe voice or a John Cleese voice on a radio app? You actually have to solve the problem before you, you decide what the, 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 the nux of the problem is and what the solution is. And then you can go off and have fun. Okay, um, I mean, but, uh, 
Sorry, guys. No, actually, I think you. I, th I think in terms of my view of technology marketing, I, I think it's totally lost that what you describe as strategic communications. I think it's always like buy this or we are good, essentially, sort of um, messaging. I mean, could you go into that a little bit more? Like, I, I think if that's the nub of it, that's the value you really bring is you figure out what the communication problem is and how to solve it. Well. I, I want, wanted to be a writer since I was about 11 or 12, writer in the broad sense. And in my mid-teens, I would listen to my older brothers talking about an ad campaign between Hertz and a, the, the, an, an ad battle that was taking place in the US between Hertz and Avis car rentals. And I'll be honest with you, I can't remember which one of them was which, but one of them, because it's a long time ago, one of them said, we're number one. So the other one, because the, the, the stats showed that, they, that was a claim they could make. The other one came in and say, we're number two, so we try harder. Yeah. Now, that, is to, that inspired me. I'm not saying it's the reason I became a copywriter. I didn't even know what a copywriter was then. But it was probably a copywriter who came up with that. Look, they're saying they're number one, so they're fat cats. They're lazy. They're take, they take their position for granted. That's the story we can build. We're number two. We want to be number one. So if you bring your business to us, you're going to get everything we have to give because we don't want to be number two. And I just thought that was, yeah. even as a 15-year-old, I thought, wow. That's, that was like chess, or I'm not a football fan, but I would say to me it was like George Best scoring a goal or something. <laughs> just like really yeah. beautiful well, thinking. But famous, simple, um, very simple. Yeah, I, I think it's famous. And, and if you think about it, it positions them, it doesn't deny their, their competitors' claim, but it po subtly positions them as superior. Absolutely. And this is one of the, mis the misunderstandings about advertising, is that advertising that has to tell the truth. If you, t don't, if you tell lies, you get caught. Um, McCann Erickson, one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world, has a beautiful slogan that says their, their mission is, the truth well told. And mm. what, what I do is now, I, I jokingly, and I emphasize jokingly refer to what I do as truth management. <laughs> because you are, you get, you're given a truth, the truths of the, the market. You can't hide any of them. But what can you do with them that will emphasize the good side? Just as, and, and people say, oh, that's lying. No, it's not. It's exactly what you did when you took your wife in the first, on her first date. Right. Um, because all advertising does is bring horses to water, it cannot make them drink. You can sell lemonade to me yeah, or Coca-Cola to me. And once I go to Coca, have a Coca-Cola, if I don't like it, that's done. The advertiser's job is done. It's introduced the two things, but it's up the relationship is between the product uh, or service and the consumer. And advertising can do nothing about that once that's happened. So that's why we want your truth so that we can make that meeting more successful. Right. Uh, because if we, um, we're misinformed and we create advertising for you uh, that has holes in it, mm -hmm. uh, then the relationship's going to fall apart. And you know who clients blame when that happens? They blame <laughs> us. It wouldn't be you, would it? Dennis, you've worked on, on loads of campaigns and some very well-known successful ones, maybe in the Irish context. But are there any particular ones that you're proud of? Is there any subtlety that... Where it was, you were like thinking one way, and suddenly you realized this is the trick, and that turned out to be the, the nugget that the, won the, the, the consumer's attention. Wow. Now, I should have done more thinking on this after our, our, our conversation initially, because there are a great many of them. 
I remember working, this might be a long convoluted story, but I remember in my very early days, I was asked to do a radio campaign for the Department of Women's Affairs, which doesn't exist anymore. And I came up with this, well, no, it's, it's, it, the, the department doesn't exist. I'm not saying that the function isn't there. No, no. But the, I, came up, came, came up, I came up with, a, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Oh my God, yes. Uh, I came up with a radio campaign where a guy comes into an, an office and he says, hi, can I speak to your boss, Pat? And to the receptionist and starts flirting with her until then she says, I'm Pat. And another one was, uh, can I speak to your boss, Leslie? And she says, I'm Leslie, playing with the names that are men's yeah. names and women's names. And the, 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 the commercials are a bit cleverer than that, but that was the nux of it. And about the presumption that people make that the boss is going to be a man. Now, less so now, but this was 30 something years ago. Uh, the department said, the, the uh, people in the department were very polite about it. They said they thought it was a bit, uh, a bit risque. So we ended up with a, what I call a when it comes to radio ad. When it comes to business, women have blah, 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 blah. You know, that, that kind of thing. It's just yeah. an announcement. But in the meantime, the IDA were having a conference for women in business. It was a very hot issue at the time. So I was asked to do a radio campaign for that. So I took out the scripts, dusted them off, changed them to IDA conference. The conference, <laughs> the, the conference was oversubscribed by 50% or something like that. The... Initial people I presented it to were scared of it because there was a joke in it or something. But the thing is, it wasn't a gratuitous joke. It was a very, very, really important issue. Women being uh, uh, being brushed over because the assumption is the boss is a man. That triggered and uh, it struck a chord with the audience they were they were um, reaching. But the minister, when she was approving the uh, Department of Women's Affairs ads said, yeah, I think they're fine. I do wish we had something creative like the IDA. <laughs> she hadn't, she had never seen the scripts. Oh, well. So but, uh, but if, if you think about that, I mean, what you're, 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 you set up the listener to make one set of assumptions, and then you reveal to them that, yeah, this, no, hold on a sec, maybe my assumption was wrong. And that's much more creative than hitting them between the eyes with a hammer, going like, you know, promote women or, or something more straightforward now i emphasize it was a very long time ago but what i was pleased about about those was that as a guy listening to that i go oh my god i would hate to be the person the guy that did that i'm so mortifying and for a woman for a woman listener said i get that all the time you know um mm-hmm. because women even today i'm saying it was a long time ago but that a lot has changed but not enough but that that for me was an example of how uh, creativity is not just uh, creativity is problem solving you whether it's in creativity in engineering in painting in uh, marketing creativity and in technology creativity is coming up with a solution that is new that is innovative that that change, changes minds or, or uh, alters situations and those are, the things we do are, are little but they can make a big difference to a brand or to 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 sure. um, a product and might I say sometimes to consumers because a great many of the things that uh, we work on actually do benefit people. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm just, just a chip, chip on the advertising shoulder, but we do get <laughs> um, get seen as being scoundrels and ragamuffins. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry. I don't, you're not. There's a lot of people in that boat. I mean, I think any. I only realise as I began to sell stuff, then I start to. My suspicion of salespeople was suddenly realized it was actually quite difficult to sell things. That, uh, it wasn't, they weren't necessarily trying to rip me off. 
Um, but just in general, as you're well aware, the modern way to sell is digital targeting. It was a thousand ways people know what your preferences are, where you are, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what's your general view? How has the industry changed and how is that affecting your work? Um, it's changing in terms of the work I do and the difference that I can make or we can make, not just me, because mm -hmm. I'm one part of the chain. There are, I'm a communications strategist and copywriter. There are many other people, market researchers, art directors, designers, and various other people involved and media specialists are very important, uh, all in the mix. And with mutual respect and mutual cooperation, we can really, really make a difference. What has changed is the cycle that the industry is in at the moment. And it's currently in a sort of scorned, you know, it's pe people are saying, I can do that. Just as with so many skills, that were specializations until digital came along. Digital comes along and says, I don't need your help. I can do this myself. Mm -hmm. This is cyclical. This, uh, this is something that comes, comes and goes over the years. Since the first barber's pole was put outside uh, <laughs> shop, you know, the origin. Well, well, I've seen that more recently. I, for, before I got, got into the, the rat race, I worked on a Greek island for about a year and a tiny Greek island. And the, when the butcher killed an animal, he put the head of the animal on a hook outside the door so people would know that he had oh. fresh meat that day. That's advertising, folks. That's the same as the, the classic barber's pole with the bloody rag around it that said that, 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 that it's a barber's shop. So that, since then, there've been a lot of cycles, a lot of changes. There's been the introduction of, of printing, which brought about, as anyone watching Bridgerton will know, brought about a surge in uh, the technology improving in printing, brought about a surge in communication and along with it, advertising, which funded that communication, that moved on. And so when I remember I was on a, a jury that was to decide the advertising agency of the year, it would have been around 1998. Mm -hmm. One of the agencies who submitted had included their, as their, their submission that they had created the, the Ireland's first digital advertisement. Right. Of the nine of us on the jury, seven said, that's not advertising, that's digital, <laughs> that's community. And two of us were saying, for God's sake, that is where advertising is going, would you wake up? Yeah, because yeah. my argument was in 1920, that's where radio was in 1920, it's where TV was in 1950, um, it's where printing was in before the hot yeah. metal printing began. Everything is cyclical. There's new things. The current world of digital will be turned on its head within the next 30 years. I can guarantee it. Mm -hmm. There will be some other facility that will change. change. Sure. The changes might be coming more quickly, but they're changing all the time, which didn't, doesn't answer your question, does it? Um, no, 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 no. Currently, I think we're in a downward. We're, we're not being used properly yeah, so because the, people, I think they can do it themselves. Yeah, so you, what you're saying is the uh, the cont not the actual technical targeting of, of an individual, but the content, the message to them isn't being caught through. I mean, do, do you, exactly. is, that, is that fair? How would you yeah. improve that? There's a lot of people in the audience here who are trying to uh, work in technology, work in various businesses, looking to sell SMEs, maybe multinationals. What, what would you say to them? What should they do? I mean, obviously, contact you would be one thing, but what, what should they do <laughs> in general? Well, um, I use around about the time I was um, nursing ideas of becoming a writer when I was about 12, I had a brilliant carpentry teacher. And one of his, the things that he taught me that I applied to everything I do, and that is measure twice, cut once. When you, once you put a message out there, you cannot take it back. 
you say to say to to your wife that dress is a bit tight on you isn't it love uh, you can't take that back you can't you know um so that's overall everything that's a good a good example of good content on <laughs> well, it, 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 it's, I, I'm, it's probably a bit, a bit of a, a macho chauvinistic kind of a, an example, but for th that, th there are things that you can't take back. And that is why it's so important to think before you publish anything. And the way things are at the moment, digital is fantastic. Uh, there are great things. You, I edit my own radio show. Uh, I spent 30 years working with people who actually know what they're doing with editing. I bit, the first radio commercials I made were done on quarter-inch tape and were cut with razor blades. And I, I can send you one in the mail afterwards and you will see it's a, the recording and precision in that is better quality than anything you will hear today. The script mm -hmm. might be a bit dodgy, but we'll forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the digital does not improve content. It, uh, it makes it easier to do things, but it's still the person doing the thing that makes it better, whether it's word processing, word processing software doesn't make you a writer. Yeah. It makes it easier to write, right. and the same applies to all other things, all, all other aspects, from sound engineering to writing to 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 um, accounting. And now, Sage doesn't make accountants; it helps no, no. accountants. But let me just say, like I have sort of personal experience of your writing. I know the quality of, particularly the puns. To be honest, that is, <laughs> the quality of that the pun is mightier than the sword. <laughs> well, I, 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 for the succinct or uh, what's the, the French le mot juste? Uh, I think it is. Pardon me if that's the wrong pronunciation. But uh, Dennis would be a hard man to beat. I think. Dennis, imagine that you do a radio program, and this is something I really find fascinating. Maybe could you tell people what it, what's it called, what it's about? It's quite really interesting. Well, my radio career began when um, I was chosen for some reason to do, do voiceover where, for the launch of News Talk as a national station. And I thought, if you're going to use my voice in this, why don't I do a show? Mm. And the original show I did was called Dublin Explorer, which I did with my son, who was about probably five at the time. And we'd go and explore different places in Dublin and did a half an hour show. It's on Dublin City FM. That became a bit time-consuming, and he, he lost interest. It was too cool for school. So um, by that time, I'd started a second show, which is called Roots Musings, and it's still going to this day. It's, I, I don't think it probably wouldn't be accepted by a commercial station because I play what I bloody well want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've worked, you know, a lot of the radio stations have programmed uh, computer-selected tracks that they play and so forth. Uh, I pick a theme each week, and the theme might be politics, it might be uh, a particular artist, it might be a particular genre or country. Like one show I did, I did a, a whirlwind tour of Africa in an hour, uh, which is a ridiculous ambition to do, but one way or another I sampled about 15 or 16 different countries. And, and sometimes I would just go and, and say, let's see how many songs there are about badgers. <laughs> no, exaggerate. No, how many songs there are about 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 dogs? And you go and look and and find. And you could do this with paintings. You could do it with novels. You go and search how what songs there are relating mm -hmm. to dogs. Now you list off the ones you know, and then you go and you find a little bit of trolling on the on the internet, and you find more. And so in no time you have about thirty songs, and you sift through them. And you see, what story can I tell with this? Because one thing that I haven't gone on about yet is the power of storytelling. Everything is storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to engage people, you have to get their interest, keep their interest, 
and send them home happy. So right. that's what I try to do over, over the course of an hour is take people right. through a particular theme. And um, how, many, how many episodes have you done, Dan, so far? Oh, God, no. Uh, I would say I probably did about 600, 500 Dublin Explorers and we're probably in about 700, wow. 750 well, uh, Roots Musings. And where, where can it's, it's a decade now. Right. And also, <laughs> I'm an older man than I was. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a labour of love, and um, also a credit to your taste. I think. What what is uh, where can people listen to the program? Um, it's on Dublin City FM. That's one hundred three point two. That the the uh, Dubliners know is the traffic station. We're eleven p.m. on Thursdays. And it's also available across the globe on Mixcloud.com. Oh, actually, I should say 103.2 is also at DublinCityFM.ie. Right. Uh, it broadcasts live, a live stream there. But if you miss the 11 o'clock on Thursday, it's on Mixcloud.com forward slash Roots Musings. Mixcloud is a fabulous, I was saying to Pat before the show, it's uh, not used by enough people, but it's a fantastic interface I've got about 250 shows up there and you can go, each one's a different theme. So if you don't like this week's theme, go back and you'll find the one on funny, funny country songs or comedy and rock, which incidentally, comedy and rock music is a very shallow pool. You go a couple of steps beyond Spinal Tap and there isn't an awful lot there. <laughs> there <laughs> it takes voice, itself very seriously. So uh, we'll, we'll include a link to that. And how can people contact you for professional work? Yeah, that's a the, the physi- physician heal thyself. You know, the, the, um, I'm available. I'm, I'm, um, you'll find me. I don't have a website at the moment, but I hope to shortly. But I can be googled quite easily. Um, Dennis Goodbody at uh, gmail dot com uh, is uh, Dennis with one N, and and, and I'm not joking. I, there, there is a website underway, but it's been a long time coming. I've been juggling up which interests to put to the fore. Uh, because uh, there, there are several things I want to achieve with it. Right, right. And, okay, Dennis, I think you've really set yourself up now for the outro song. As you know, on this podcast, the guest chooses the outro song. So with your vast experience and incredible taste, what, what, what are you nominating for the outro song? Oh, my God, I completely forgot about this. Uh-huh. I'm sure, you'll, I'm sure you'll, you'll do it right now live. You'll come up with something that really says... People. Oh, come up with something spontaneous. And um, yeah, I can think of some pretty grim ones now, but um oh, uh, please, it's the COVID's bad enough, Dennis. Give us something good. Oh god. Uh <laughs> jeepers. Um how about um in memory of Christopher Plummer, how about uh, favorite things by John Coltrane? Oh, that's interesting. Now, I, I'll admit I played it out. That was because he uh, said that uh, he was always quite rude about the sound of music. He called it the sound of mucus. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I, as a tribute to him last week, I played that coming out of the show, and it's it's fabulous. It for me, it shows what an incredible thing musical expression is. That it can be um, somebody's idea. Rodgers and Hammerstein can write that musical. And the same music can be played by John Coltrane and sound so familiar, but so completely yeah, different. Yeah. Well, I think John Coltrane could probably play a menu and make it sound good. If no, well, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, look, Dennis, really brilliant to have you on. Thanks for your, your musings, shall we say, catching you again sometime. 
My very great pleasure, and I'm actually now glad that I forgot to, to think of a specific song because that I, I, I'm very pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank <laughs> you.